This is Growth Decoded to Go, a podcast from a show that helps you grow your business by figuring out the customer experience, one piece at a time. We do this to share our findings with you, wherever you are. Because this podcast is only the audio portion of the show, there might be some references to visuals. But don't fret, because we've included links to the video version of the show in the podcast description. All right, let's get into it. Ahoy there, Internet, and welcome back to Growth Decoded, where we focus on one topic per episode to help you create a better customer experience. I'm your host, Ernie Santorelli, joined, as always, by my potted pal, Plantasia, the show's silent and photosynthesizing co-host. Analytics. Did you feel that? Well, I guess unless you're into that kind of thing or you have a background studying numbers, analytics is a word that strikes fear into the hearts of business professionals everywhere, including me. I don't like them. There's so many of them, it's hard to know what they're telling you. And that's why I'm so glad people like our next guest exist. Bree Anderson, owner of Beast Analytics and simplifier of things complicated and numerical, sat down with us to talk about analytics. Where to start? what to measure, and a framework for repeatable analytics that takes the guesswork and fear out of the spreadsheets. How do you know if your business is growing? I mean, how do you really know? How can you prove it? With the numbers. The numbers don't lie. But here's the thing about numbers, metrics, and analytics. Unless you're someone who doesn't mind them, they're scary. They're tedious. And these days, there are just so many of them. Which ones do you look at? Which metrics should you look at? How do you know? How do you know what they're telling you? How do you know if they're right? How do you use them to tell a story, and why is it so hard to visualize them? Look, if you're anything like me, you have a slight to severe aversion to metrics and analytics, but you also recognize that they're a critical piece of knowing and understanding your business, your efforts, and whether or not what you're doing is actually working. Now here's the good news. They don't have to be complicated or scary or tedious at all. It's all in the approach. It's all in the system. Now, a few episodes back, we talked to Tim Washer, and he introduced us to the concept of follow the fear. The idea of that is, if there's something that makes you scared or uncomfortable, or if it's something that you're averse to, that's where the opportunities for growth are the most present. Now, if you're new to analytics, you don't know where to start, if you don't know how to read some of them, but also know that there's more that you could be learning and gaining from them, Or, if you're not a numbers person, if you would rather do grout work in someone else's bathroom for free than dive into a spreadsheet full of numbers, if you're any of these people, that's where today's guest comes in. Let's meet Bree Anderson. Our next guest on Growth Decoded, who I am now joined by, uh, is Bree Anderson, the owner of Beast Analytics and uh, someone who played soccer in Austria when she was 11 years old against a team that was really good. Very good. Bree, thank you for being here on Growth Coded. Welcome, Thanks for welcome to the show. Me. I'm super excited to be here. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so our show, um, we, we talk a lot about the customer experience, what leads to you know a good customer experience, and how do you use that to grow your business. So obviously, growth is sort of defined by the numbers behind the business, and you focus in analytics, which is something that a lot of people get very scared about. Yeah, they get a little clammy, and they tend to walk out of the room when you start talking about numbers. Um, but like you said, you know, how how do you know if you're growing if you never were tracking the numbers? You know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. Um, and to that point, they get their hands get clammy, they walk out of the room. What makes you gravitate towards the analytics side of things? I, so I've worked in a lot of different aspects of marketing. So I worked in social media management, then I did PPC and SEO and all sorts of things. And the one thing that was always consistent was that we got numbers out of 
whatever we, we did, right? Um, and so I like the numbers because it made me understand how all of those things work together, which again is something that people get like clammed up about and walk out of the room when you start saying you have to talk to your sales team, you have to talk to your email team, you have to talk to your, your yeah. paid team. Um, but for me, the, the big moment, I did actually have a moment where I was like, this is it. And I was 19, I just got out of college, and somebody gave me $1,000 to run Google Ads. And as someone that was making $12 an hour, I went, this is a lot of money and I need to know where it goes. So I started learning about Google Analytics and was able to see that with that $1,000, we were able to make back $3,000. Mm. And then I was sold. I was like, yeah, I need to I need to do more of this. Oh, that's awesome. So did you, you started with like paid ads? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, okay, so you, we talked a lot about, you know, or you just talked a lot about talking to the other teams and the yeah. importance of knowing all of that and like actually knowing how you're growing and what the numbers are. Right. Where do you Where do you start with that? Well, I think it, the big thing to remember is that we're all working towards the same goal. Yes. Right? Like, so I did play competitive soccer for 14 years. And being on a team, you know, we all have our individual things that we have to focus on and, like, our task. I was a goalkeeper. Make sure the ball does not hit the back of the net. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and as a business, we're all working towards the same thing, whether that's revenue or leads or what. I mean, most of the time it's revenue, let's be honest. Um but we tend to forget that like we are all working towards the same goal. And so we have to be communicating about like what initiatives are you working on? What are we working on in that collaboration? Um, and you know, the numbers can kind of show you which collaborations are working and which aren't working. Um, and you can really play off of each other and it makes everybody's life easier actually when you work together. Yeah, absolutely. The, the thing that I've noticed, um, and maybe people feel the same way, is that you know it can get pretty convoluted mm -hmm. pretty quickly. There's a lot of different numbers um, and, and there's an absolutely ridiculous availability of numbers, right? Yes. Like so many metrics can be tracked. So with that in mind, it can quickly get overwhelming. Like how do you, make sense of that? How do you know which numbers you should be looking at and which ones are sort of just like there that you don't necessarily have to look at? Start with the end in mind, right? So you have to have whatever that goal is and kind of work backwards. So you were talking about customer experience, right? How do you create a good customer experience? Well, you see, I mean, a lot of times you can see a pattern in how people go through the funnel, right? Everybody has this idea of a funnel, which may or may not be true in the digital age, depending on your product specifically. You sure. know, like a spatula, if you need a spatula, you go on Amazon, you just buy a spatula. Yes. Um, <laughs> there are still some things that you're going to take into consideration, but that funnel is very short. Um, but, but everybody has like a different experience that their customers will go through or a journey that their customers will go through. So I always tell people, go through the journey that you think that your customers are taking, think being the keyword, and write down all of those steps. And mm. those are all things that you need to be tracking. And then what affects whether or not those, those steps are going to be completed. Um, and, and that's really where most people should start and spend most of their time. Everything else is just like, nice to haves and noise um, and noise yeah that a lot of metrics people still rely on or because that's what we got with traditional media mm. um so like you think tv ads radio buys all that well they were given this is your you're going to reach 80 percent of women in wichita uh that are between 35 and 60 you know like that's what they were given sure. and so that's what everybody was used to when it came to marketing metrics now we get 
crap ton of data. So, so is that a, like a challenge? Do you think is one of like, or maybe one of the the barriers to entry in terms of understanding analytics is like breaking out of that old mindset and into the new yeah, mindset? Yeah, absolutely. Well, that and and a lot of people are looking because there is so much. It's really hard to kind of get overwhelmed or get lost. So I tell people, you know. When you first start working with analytics, you need to go in with an idea of what you're looking for. Yeah. So I'm going in to see how many people hit this page and ended up filling out our form. Those are the two things that I need to see, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, and then as you get more comfortable, you have to plan time to kind of get lost in the numbers. Um, I like that. Yeah. Um, but w when it comes to like... Um, you know, getting people to understand the metrics and the ones that matter. I always think about, tell people like, what is the person that you're reporting to going to ask you? Mm. And how are you gonna answer those questions? So, you know, we just went through a pandemic. The first people that always get cut are marketing people and salespeople. Um, and so if you can prove that marketing is actually increasing uh, your, you know, the number of units you're selling, then you have a lot better, you know, chance of keeping your job. Um, so we go, okay, well, if I know that, I need to be able to prove that I'm making money for the business. I have to prove that this is how I spent my time and, you know, all of those things. Um, so, yeah, always start with the end of the mind and with the end in mind and then um, answer the questions that whoever is above you is going to to ask you. Uh, that, those are two very good rules of thumb to just like keep in mind. And I think it's, it's really similar to the way that we approach automation. Um, Active Campaign is you know, an automation platform and you can build and do all these different things, but we always say process before software. Like yes. know what you're trying to build before you get in there and start building it because otherwise, like you said, you'll just kind of get lost. But also yeah. planning planning to get lost in the numbers. Can you yeah. talk a little bit about that? Like what is, what is that? Do you have like a strategy for doing that? Yeah, so I, I call it like a, it's called the beast cycle. Um, I love it. Yes, branded, you know how it is. But it, it's essentially the scientific method, right? So it's like benchmark. So ask yourself, what are we trying to achieve and how are we doing today? Um, and so that's just, again, looking at all those metrics that are going to affect your overall objective mm -hmm. taking like today okay today we got or over the last two weeks we got 100 visits to the page and 50 people completed the form and 10 of them were qualified great now we have our benchmark yeah then you take time to explore all of the data around that so competitive data your own internal data um you know whether that's website or email or you know all that kind of taking a look at that number and that's that slotted like um like, let's just see what there is, right? Yeah. Um, and once you collect all of that data, then you move into the analyzing step, which is now we have to make sense of it. So we right. have all these numbers, now we have to make sense of it. And we start with the questions that we're going to be asked and what our goals are. Um, and then, you know, I like to use visualizations to help you spot outliers and trends. Those are the two things that actually matter. Um, and then you can create your strategy. Once you have your strategy, you test it, track your results, and then compare against your benchmarks, 
It all Start, happens all over again. Start it all over again. Yeah. So you're here at Social Media Marketing World this year uh, to talk about being a data-driven marketer. Exactly. Can you talk a little bit about that? Like, what does that mean? Yeah. So I'll be teaching that cycle, um, which and like a bunch of different tactics to like how how do you explore data? How do you analyze data? Which, like I said, is essentially just identifying trends and outliers. Um, and then we'll talk about strategies. So people get really like emotionally attached to their strategies and tactics. Like, mm -hmm. like, you know, you worked really hard on something and you really want it to work. Sure. But essentially when you look at your data, you're going to have to make one of, you're going to have to make a decision and that decision's generally going to lead to one of three things. So you're either going to start a new strategy or tactic and yeah. like test it because you found like there's this one outlier that on um, if, if you talk about something specific that everybody was engaged with it and you want to see if that's going to work again right so that's a strategy that you're going to start you're going to create some sort of strategy behind it um, maybe you have something that you're going to scale so you already had a strategy for it and it's proved to work so how can we do more of it how can we get more out of that strategy or the one that everyone's afraid of is a strategy that you're going to have to stop because right. it's not sustainable. The return is not greater than the investment, and that's not a sustainable practice for any business, right? Um, so these are things that you're either going to... It doesn't mean necessarily that you have to stop it altogether, but you can't do it the exact way you've been doing it. Right. Because it's, it's proven. It does not work. So you either have to, like, pull a Ross Geller and, like, pivot a little bit. Maybe we change one thing about the strategy. Or, you know, we just go, okay, listen, Instagram work, stories, not working for us. We've tried three different things. They're not working. Let's focus on, you know, LinkedIn Live. Sure. Right? Um, but, yeah, so, so that's strategies. Uh, uh Okay, Bree said some things there that are worth repeating and remembering. First, remember that you're on the same team. It's not this campaign versus that campaign or this blog versus that video or this offer versus that product. It's all within the confines of your business and your organization. You can and should compare these things to see what's working and then ask why. Or better yet, ask your customers or your audience why. This will help you create more things like the high-performing thing in the future and will tell you more about what your audience is looking for, what resonates with them. Second, metrics can get convoluted quickly, and the availability of numbers is overwhelming. So how do you know which ones to look at? Start with the end in mind, start with the goal, and then work backwards. What are you trying to achieve? Let's say it's a purchase on an e-commerce storefront for convenience and common understanding's sake. Go through the journey that you think your customers are taking. What are the steps that they have to take? Start there. And then what are the metrics to those steps that you think you can track to tell the story? Purchases are the obvious metric, but what about before that? Checkout page visits? Items added to cart? Product page visits? Impressions, views, and engagements on a social media ad that brings people to the product page? Each of these might help you see the parts of the journey that are strong, or the parts that need improvement. Going through the journey yourself, or even having someone else that you know go through it, also might reveal some immediately apparent reasons for a low or underperforming metric or step in the process, right? Maybe something's hard to find. Maybe your idea of what the customer wants at a given point isn't actually what they want. Maybe it's confusing. Maybe it's just hard to find. Third, start with a plan. A plan on what you're looking for when you get into the analytics. Really think about the numbers that you need to tell you what you want to know. 
because when you go in with a plan, you're much more likely to get the data you need and find the thing that you're looking for rather than getting bombarded and bogged down by all the numbers you find on your way. Fourth, it's also important to make time to just get lost in the numbers. You don't have to have a particular goal in mind for these forays other than familiarizing yourself with which metrics live where. What do they tell you? And if you can make time explicitly to just go in there and look and check it out with no other goal than learning, you're probably not going to get frustrated or confused. Fifth, repeatable systems work. And Brie outlined her BEAST framework. B, benchmark. What are you trying to achieve? How are you doing today? This is your baseline to which you're going to compare future iterations. E, explore the data around those numbers. Your own data. Maybe industry standards for that data. Maybe information that exists from your competitors. Collect it. Compile it. Then A, analyze. You have all the data. Now interpret it. See where you're at and figure out what your goals are. This is where you bring in those visualizations to spot outliers and to spot trends. S, strategy. You've got a goal, the benchmark, the data that helps inform your strategy. It's time to create one, one that's going to help you improve your metrics and meet your goals. And then T, test. Put it into action and then repeat the whole thing over again. And finally, there's a saying for writers that goes a little something like this. Kill your darlings. It speaks to the necessity of editing down your writing. It's a hard thing for writers to do, right? They've tortured themselves to pull words out and get them onto the page, and as all creatives are at some point or another, they're pretty fascinated and fond of their work. But the readers aren't. Sometimes you have to kill your darlings. And when it comes to analytics, sometimes you have to kill your current strategy if the numbers and the results just aren't there. Remember, you're on the same team, and even though you might be fond of your current strategy and your approach, it might not be delivering the way that you thought or hoped it would. And it's time for a change. This is a good thing. You learned a very valuable lesson, that this particular approach isn't exactly right. There are some good things in there that you can use, but at the end of the day, sometimes you just have to kill your darlings. All right, let's get back into the interview. How long do you recommend, or how long do you personally look at, like? As to, in terms of like time intervals before you're going to evaluate and make a decision, or one of those three decisions? Well, it always depends on your data, right? So you want to be able to find significance, sure. uh, which, like, that's that's super nerdy. We're not going to get into statistics here. But, like, if you only get 100 views on your posts every day, you're not going to have a ton of data to work with. So, like, maybe we wait for a month. Sure. We, we run it for a month. But if you're getting tens of thousands of views every single day, you can make a decision relatively quickly because you have enough data to work off of. Right. I mean, I would say, like, two weeks minimum because it gives you, like, you know, every day has gone twice. So you've had two Mondays, two Tuesdays, you know what I mean? Um, because sometimes that can skew the data. So I've had a few conversations with different people, and when testing comes up, it's sort of like a contested subject mm -hmm. because of what you just said. Yeah. Depends on the traffic, depends on the data. Yeah. So I've heard the case that, you know, most businesses can't test to any sort of like really significant degree because of the fact that you know we're not Amazon, we're not Nike, we don't have these massive numbers that we're that we have available to us. Do you have like opinions on on anything like that? Yeah, I mean, I've tested tons of things. I don't get tons of traffic to anything. I mean, I just like understanding how things work, which is essentially how I got into all this to begin with. It's like, I wanted to know how the TikTok algorithm worked, so I got on TikTok, and I grew this massive following, and then I went, great, I understand TikTok, and I went <laughs> to the next thing. Um, so I, you don't have to have, like, 
tens of thousands of views to like make a decision. Yeah. Even on a small scale, you can make a decision. I think you just have to have enough and no, no test is going to be perfect and no decision is going to be perfect and things change every single day, which is why it's a cycle. Right. So you're probably going to test something multiple times anyway. Um, but I would say, you know, you want to do that week over week. You want to do month over month, quarter over quarter, year over year. I mean, most every business is cyclical. You have to account for that. Um, but I mean, it's the same thing with people that want to have which we had this discussion, but people that want to have really clean data and they're like, we're not going to make a decision until our data is clean. Sure. But then you wait three, four or five years because you find little discrepancies throughout and then you just never make a decision. Um, and so I, I just encourage people to go out there and test. I will say quick disclaimer, you need to make sure your tests are controlled. Um, so you can't test a million different strategies at once because then you'll have no idea what's moving the needle. Right. So isolate a particular variable or? Right. Right. So um, it's specifically like I, I talk about the start scale and stop. Like I would pick one strategy like I'm going to start making Instagram stories. That's that's the test. We're not going to also start going live on LinkedIn and also start doing this. Um, because especially in marketing, you know, they say the old saying uh, in the textbooks is you have to have seven points of contact to make a decision. Right. Um, so if you start all of these things at once, it's like, well, was it because they were seeing us more or was it because we were on Instagram stories? You know what I mean? It, it's kind of hard to attribute. So um, I just really try and encourage people like change one thing at a time, ideally. So how important is patience when it comes to analytics then? Well, patience is a virtue. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not a very patient person, to be honest. Um, so I, I like to make decisions relatively quickly. But, I mean, Zuckerberg said build fast, fail fast. It, you know, it, it's all the same. So, you know, you, you could make decisions quickly, but just know they're not going to be the most informed decisions. Mm. Um, but, I mean, I mean, when you think about, like, paid media, for instance. Yeah. They're making decisions very, very quickly a lot of the time, especially if they have a lot of ad spend. They're able to make those decisions quicker. Um, but they allocate usually like 15 to 20 percent of their budget to testing or, you know, whether that's at the beginning or throughout the entire campaign, they're testing something. Right. Um, and so, I mean, I don't know. I I'm really am just trying to encourage people to look at their numbers and try to make a decision from right. it. You know, so are there other particular measurements, particular metrics that you think tell the story of the business you know, better than others? Are there any that you kind of look at um, or like a group of them and say, you know, like if I know these, then I have a good sense of the situation? Um, I mean, it depends on like what kind of strategies we're talking about. Um, I really like looking at website analytics the most because I like to see you know, like what pages are people going to the most and reading the most content on? Like, mm. obviously there's a reason, like maybe we need to be creating more of that content or um, speaking to that more on social media or something like that. I really like to look at like a user flow on, on a website because uh, I feel like that gives you a lot of good insights as to um, what people want to know, what they find important and uh, in, in the buying journey just in general. But I, I would say you know, whatever that main goal is, you know, if, if somebody comes to me and they're like, we need to increase sales, like, okay, we need to be looking at your sales 
average order value, lifetime value. I mean, the <laughs> list goes on, right? Right, right. right? So it, it really just depends. That's a marketer's dream answer. It, it depends. It's the answer to, to every question yes. to some degree, right? <laughs> Uh, so, I mean, you talked about a couple of, of like common mistakes or things that that happen that people do. Are, are there like some big ones that you see? Yeah, people don't track their goals, mm. right? So they'll be like, we want people to sign up for your newsletter. And I'm like, great. And they go, well, we know we have this many in insert active campaign. We know we have this many people contacts in active campaign. Okay, cool. How many of those came from your website? Don't know. How many came in the last month? Don't know. Can I tell you? That's a problem. Right. You know what I mean? Um, and a lot of people, it's because you can set up your analytics on your website with, like, literally three clicks of a button. And, um, but if you if you want to track that goal or that, like, specific steps in a funnel, it's, like, a little bit more work. Yeah. And a lot of people always think, oh, well, I'll get back to it or we're going to have so-and-so do it. And it just never gets done. But then... Just like trying to get clean data, you go a couple years and then you realize, oh, we never tracked that. Right. Um, so I always tell people to like collect it before you need it because once you need it, you're really going to want it and you're just not going to have it. So. On the flip side of that, mm -hmm. there might be a lot of people that are just tracking the numbers that are available to them, putting them in a spreadsheet somewhere and yeah. then not really doing anything with them. All the time. Do you have a, a remedy for identifying like what those metrics are or like what um, which ones really truly matter? Um, I, I mean, anything that revolves around your objectives is is what really matters. In theory, all of those metrics like at some point kind of matter. Sure. Um, but you know you I always say start from the like the end and work backwards. So like if the end goal is sales, start there like that's the most important thing right is sales and then before the sale happens people are adding things to cart great we're gonna do that and before that happened you know and you can add them on as time goes on um but I, like for those people that are just throwing things in spreadsheets or just looking at the numbers and tables like that's really hard there are very few people that can just look at numbers and be like this is what we need to do that's right. a great idea um i highly suggest visualizations there are tons of ways to make visualizations copy that thing put it in excel or google sheets and make charts yeah right or use google data studio or you know whatever um because that's going to be the easiest way to identify those trends and outliers a lot of people can look at a picture and go oh there's like this kind of pattern right right we're taught to identify patterns from the time we're like two years old um and so visualizations are going to make data like understanding data so much easier. Mm. That makes all the sense in the world um, because a bunch of numbers on a spreadsheet are just a bunch of numbers on a spreadsheet. Absolutely. Yeah. So when it comes to you like learning more or mm -hmm. looking for new ideas, new you know uh, information, mm -hmm. who do you look for? What, what do you look to? Are there sources that you go back to, um, different people or sites, anything like that? I honestly, I do a lot of like watching product blogs right so like let's say twitter's blog what are they rolling out what are they deprecating what new things are they giving us access to in analytics um in my mind it's like they wouldn't give us access to it if they didn't want us to use it right so like there's obviously a reason that so a good example last year youtube rolled out um 
um, key moments in videos, mm. and they'll show you where you had spikes of engagement, where you had dips, and how your intro performed. Which means that they probably like they've probably noticed that if you get your intro right, people are gonna stick, or they've probably noticed that people share videos a lot of times at a specific moment so that they can cut out all of the noise beforehand, um, and that that was important, right? Like they've had this information for so long, like yeah. guaranteed, because they had to build out an interface for yada, yada, yada. But they wouldn't give it to us if it wasn't important. There's something that they've deemed important. Mm. Um, so I'm always just looking for like the changes in platforms. Even like Google Analytics rolled out a brand new platform in 2020. So they went from Universal Analytics to Google Analytics 4. And that platform has a lot of new functionalities. Like they have a, a whole new funnel that Google has identified, which makes you think like, what do they know that we don't? That's what I'm always thinking. What do they know that we don't know yet? And what's gonna make it important and how can we use it to make our businesses better? Mm, I love that. That makes it just like looking at it with that analytical yeah. perspective as opposed to just like, oh look, they're giving us a new thing. Right, it's right. Like why, asking the why. Yeah. Um, one that I've recently noticed. Yeah. Um, YouTube now shares, it used to just be your subscriber jump. Yeah. And now they share how, net, net number. Yes. So how many people churned. Yeah. And how many, how many new people came Right. So and they rolled out too, like, the views by non-subscribers versus subscribers, which is something that they didn't offer previously. Yes, yeah. There's a whole new feature in, in YouTube that's specifically focused on your subscribers and which videos they are watching and which ones they're not watching, which is very interesting. It seems like it's a community building. Yes, absolutely. Like, to take your point, yeah. about it, that, that seems like that's probably what Yeah, yeah. So before we wrap this thing up, if you could, you know, leave everybody with one piece of advice when it comes to analytics, what what is your what's your big like ask? Collect it before you need it. Please track your goals. <laughs> A lot of people don't do that. Um, but it would be that and then also to like try and use it more, yeah. you know, instead of just saying like, we have to report on impressions to the boss because that's what they care about. Like also think about like, okay, then what led to the most, like, you know, impressions aren't the, the most fun thing to like talk about and you know, whatever, but like what led to the most impressions? Why? Just ask more questions. Um, and that will lead you into being a better data driven marketer. Mm. We, we talk a lot about growth. Yeah. Like, how do you, you know, look at metrics, track them? Yep. How are they growing over time? How important is, like, I know you talked a lot about testing, but, like, the, the decay aspect. Like, what, what happens when things go, like, down? Yeah, I mean, you also have to ask yourself, why? Like, why is that happening? Is it, am I putting out the same content too much? Am I, like, did I think that something was important to my audience that actually isn't important? And I, I think if you look... Again, it's all about finding trends and outliers. Like, if you're seeing a trending downline, you're probably putting out content that, like, people aren't interested in for one reason or another. Don't be afraid to ask your customers, too. A lot of times people never talk to their customers, but, like, ask them, okay, we put out all this content. We noticed that, like, it's kind of gone down. 
what are you looking for right now? Yeah. Like, what are you struggling with right now? Um, and, you know, what kind of content are you spending time watching and reading and, and learning? Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's another nice thing, though, about Google Analytics 4 is they do give you a churn rate, which you don't get a churn rate in Universal Analytics. So go set up Google Analytics 4. <laughs> Uh, all right, final question. How important is automation to the, the analytics conversation? Oh, man. I like automation when it comes to analytics so I can make Google data reports, like data studio reports. It's super nice. Um, I really like dashboarding for clients because I feel like like data transparency is a really big thing. So I, I want clients to always be able to see the data. Um, and then automating reports is really nice. It can be, it can take a lot of time to create reports for people. I know a lot of people report weekly or monthly. That's a lot of time. Yeah. I mean, it, it, even for one client, that's a lot of time. If we're talking about agencies, you have 40 clients, let's call it. I mean, even if they only took an hour a week, that's somebody's entire work week once a month. Right. That's a long time. So automation can, I mean, the key to all automation is the fact that it saves time. Right. Uh, so I would say automating reports to an extent, right? Like if, if something wild happens, you need to be able to add your two cents to it. But um, if you automating as much of that as possible and then dashboarding using automations is stellar. Okay, Bree broke down a few more things there. The first point is the idea of start, scale, and stop. So pick one strategy that you're going to start. That's it. You won't also start any other channels or other campaigns, because if you do, it's impossible to know what the impact of any one thing is, especially when you're changing all kinds of things at once. So start one thing, or try to scale one thing, something that you know is working, once you look at the trends and the outliers and the data, and once you know something that isn't working, stop doing it. Now finally, Bree mentioned that your website traffic is a critical piece of telling the story. but. How do you know which pages are being viewed the most, or which pages your customers are looking at more than others? Well, a few ways. First of all, there's Google Analytics. You can tie that to your website and see what's getting viewed, how often, and for how long. Now this will tell you some general information about what's going on, but you can get more specific, particularly when it comes to your existing contacts. And you can do that through tools like ActiveCampaign's site tracking. Now, we've done an entire episode on site tracking, and that's linked for you, as well as some additional videos and content from the teams at ActiveCampaign. But not only that, you can use that site tracking data to trigger automations, and we've included links to the automation recipes or frameworks that we have as well. These will help you build more personalized experiences based on the site tracking data that you receive. Okay, I lied. This is finally. Bree mentioned a few pieces of advice when it comes to analytics. Collect it before you need it, track your goals, and just try to use your data more. Try to use it whenever you can. Use it to support your decisions. Use it to identify things that should start, scale, or stop. Use it to track your progress. Now, this show is focused on growth through the customer experience, and the only way that you can achieve growth is by testing new things, by tweaking, changing, iterating, and trying new campaigns, strategies, messages, and more. You can't get to a new place if you keep taking the same roads. If you're enjoying Growth Decoded, it would mean a lot if you shared it. Tell someone about the show. Point them to the Active Campaign YouTube channel. Until next time, go forth and automate.
Thanks for listening to Growth Decoded To Go. For the latest updates on Growth Decoded and links to the live show, you can sign up to be a part of the Grow team at activecampaign.com slash events slash growth hyphen decoded.